Welcome to Immersed in Theology. This is the podcast where graduate students talk theology, church, and life. Please enjoy the conversation. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I uh, am here joined with my fellow Immersed students. We have Emerson and Luke. If you boys want to say hi. Hey. Hello. There they are. Uh, So today we're going to be focusing on abortion and euthanasia as social justice movements, but then specifically actually looking at the current times with COVID-19 and how this might be affecting that, the way we actually look at it, and possibly the way we come out on the other side, if there'd be any differences in terms of the overall kind of worldwide approach to uh, abortion, euthanasia, pro-choice versus pro-life. And so I think we'll just start by kicking this off and talking about COVID-19 and the effects that it's had on society already. So uh, Emerson, Luke, what is COVID-19? What's your experience been and how has uh, social distancing measures kind of impacted life overall for you? Yeah, I mean, social distancing for us, I mean, first of all, COVID has been this, this kind of surreal experience all around, right? Uh, I, I believe that it was kind of like rattling around in the in the backdrop of our minds for a little while, and it wasn't this big serious thing. It, it started off in China. We heard about it. We heard that it was traveling, and then it got closer to home, and then eventually uh, the climate started becoming a little bit more intense. And I remember there was like two specific days where things were going were changing by the hour, and the intensity was raising pretty quickly. And there was there was panic, there was pandemonium going on in the grocery stores, in parking lots. Tensions were high. People were scared. You could tell that a lot of people were in disbelief because they'd stand in the middle of the chaos and start recording it with their phones. Um, it was just it was a real bizarre thing, and and that it was at that point where I felt like the gravity of it um, alongside society. And uh, and yeah, it was it was it was changing. We were asked to start working from home. Uh, my wife and I have been working from home, and so that was the biggest difference. Um, and not being able to leave your house and really like respecting those orders from the authorities. Um, so that was that was really interesting. Um, right. Overall, it's been it's been a great experience for my wife and I being able to have that uh, our life slow down and really uh, a little more time to focus on on each other not only on our downtime, but even during work, we were working alongside of each other. So having an opportunity of how we work um, and see things that we usually wouldn't see. I wouldn't know her work ethic at all if it wasn't for COVID. And I've I've come to have a new appreciation for that aspect of her life. Yeah, that's awesome. There's, it it is such an unprecedented time. That fact that uh, I live by White Rock Beach and we went to walk out on the sand and there's security there saying like, you can't even walk on the beach right now. Like the entire thing is shut down. And I mean, you have countries like Italy and they're completely on lockdown. You can't, you can't even leave. And so it really is unparalleled and it is beautiful to hear when there's, there's the positive aspects to it, such as what you just described, Emerson. Um, so when we're actually talking about abortion euthanasia i think i'd like to start this conversation by just talking about how the the overall posture of society seems to be that they're pro-choice 
Um, and even currently, uh, Luke, what would you say has been going on with COVID-19? If there's been any, do you think that there's been any kind of shift in the way that the world might be thinking around some of these, uh, some of these social justice issues? Right. Yes. Um, well, I guess this, this concept of personhood comes to mind immediately. And that's when, when thinking about life and death, abortion, euthanasia, um, there's this philosophy of personhood and dualism, which has come about in the last maybe, well, predominantly like 10 years where we separate biology from us, you know, our psycho and social ology, if that makes sense. But essentially, like with abortion, in personhood theory, um, there's a biological baby, but it's not yet a person until some people even say three years when, when that child can think for itself, make choices, act on its own, this sort of stuff. And then at, at the tail end of life, the same thing with um, elderly or even disabled mentally, um, mental disabilities, things like this, where a person can't cognitively make the same choices that we as society to stand, um, make the standard to be, I guess. So that's personhood. You're, you're separating biology from, from uh, the psychology of a human being. Um, and in the midst of COVID-19, sort of what we've seen is a complete shutdown of our economy to save people that are high risk, predominantly the elderly, right? Mm -hmm. And that seems to be a flip, like that's a flipped way of approaching life and death than, um, than this whole abortion and euthanasia as it's previously been before the pandemic. Right. Yeah. And, and in our discussions beforehand about this, we just kind of began to notice it's as though the world has been very much pro-choice. And then with all the social distancing efforts, protecting the elderly, uh, not so much the young, but of course there's an emphasis on the young as well. Those that are high risk in general, there seems almost to be this double standard. It's as though there was pro-choice before. And so the, the babies and the elderly, those that can make their own decisions, they've lost their, their, their personhood. And so as a result, we can then abort them or there can be euthanasia. And now we're actually supposed to be protecting them. And it's as though there's this double standard in that we're pro-life. Right. Like across and, the board, all of society, um, worldwide, even. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it's just fascinating to think about because it's, it's like the, the entire world has shifted to all of a sudden protect like mad the those that are vulnerable mm -hmm. and yet it, it and yet outside of these circumstances it just did not seem to to matter to many right like just previously this, yeah this wasn't who would take yeah. these measures who would crash the economy to save you know whatever yeah yeah exactly and so and so just diving into that a bit more, like what, why, it, what is it that you think that humanity is actually trying to do? Like if, 
if we could look at both the what life was before COVID-19 and then life right now, like, are we tapping into something that humanity is trying to run away from or take hold of? I just, I feel like there's something deeper down kind of at a heart level. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what thoughts, what thoughts would you guys have on that? Right now that you said running away from uh, my, my initial thought was like mortality. And so um, I know it was a really great description of the nuclear man in the, in the uh, wounded healer and mm-hmm. how um, there's a connect there with mortality, making your own mortality. And I think right now we're all on the same playing field being faced with our own mortality because it's up in our face people mortality rates are going up and people are getting sick and people are dying so now we're all questioning on the same level our own mortality and so now before we had all these distractions that's the other thing that that COVID has done for us it's eliminated all our distractions around us so we were focused on this one thing and it's almost like okay mortality is a thing it's uh it's scary maybe we maybe it is wrong to be doing these things right because now we're looking at it from a different lens we're forced to really face our own mortality right so so do you think people are more fearful for themselves or for those around them because like in general i hear a lot especially on the news it's like it's not about you it's about that neighbor it's about that person where this and it's like the christian ethic has always been that we maximize care and don't minimize suffering you know so like we don't just eliminate the person that's suffering but we maximize the care because god's got the hour and the timing for their life Mm -hmm. and death but it seems like to me at least in the midst of covid19 like everyone is now maximizing care to prevent the elimination of vulnerable people so like in general people are actually just caring for their neighbor more than themselves right as much as being concerned for your own health of course there's a lot of fear and anxiety around that but right like, to the extent that it seems everyone's caring for the right. other person is quite I'm like everyone's quite loving their neighbors all of a sudden <laughs> right like that's that's yeah. bizarre yeah that is actually yeah it makes you it makes you wonder so what is god doing in all of this and Obviously, we're not just going to have the answer, but God is not apart from COVID-19 and what's happening. I loved Mark's analogy a few weeks ago. It's, um, it's, it's not like heaven isn't like the West Wing where God is up there being and he has all his counselors, advisors. And he's like, what, what just happened to the world? What's going on? Why is there this pandemic? What the heck? He's not freaking out. Like he's, he knows about it all um, before the creation of this world. So what is he doing in it? And I think that's such a great point you just brought up there, Luke, is that suddenly we're seeing how people are actually caring for their neighbors in almost an unparalleled way than than before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially like um, Emerson mentioned how surreal it all is, and it really is, but like when people mention that we're making history books right now and you're just going through the days and you don't really notice it. I mean, I'm keeping up with the news, like – I have the news on at dinner before I never did that or different, different things to just try keep my awareness high. Right. It's like things are changing quickly. People are changing extremely fast as we adapt to this. And maybe we're getting, maybe just in general, people are getting closer Mm -hmm. to needing God. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Uh, Like at least that's how I would feel in, in, 
in this situation, so much fear and uncertainty and life's no longer in your hands. It's like, or in your control even. And like the fear of the Lord really becomes, even if it's unknown to a lot of people, like you react that way because we're made in his image, I guess. Right. Yeah. I, I, I did read just the other day how, Bible publishers are reporting a massive spike and jump in sales amidst all the coronavirus fears and what's going on in this pandemic. So that is interesting. I, I do think that there are a lot of salvations happening and mm. God is, God is certainly moving in this time. And even with Easter now, like the timing, the timing of everything is, is so fascinating so everybody's kind of stuck at home and then there's Easter. And so I've already seen on my social media a lot more discussion around um, even like the Passover. Like, I don't know if you've been seeing that, but a lot of people have been talking about the Passover and, and how in a sense, like the coronavirus can, could be like the angel of death. Hmm. Um, and, and so people are legit doing like the Passover. Like they're, they're going through the, the motions and it's, it's kind of wild to see, you know, like nobody would ever think about the Passover um, mm. outside of this, at least your average person. Yeah, that's so interesting. Well, yeah. and like the amount of news feed that's biblically related randomly, right? Right, just popping up. You know, like I remember the first week of this hitting Canada, there was some spill from a factory into a river in Ontario and the river was running red from chemicals and immediately on on the news is you know this is a plague and you know they weren't claiming that but just saying like isn't it crazy that amidst all this going on and all this wildness that there's a plague happening or it seems to be like the river's running with blood mm -hmm. it's like what like how do you <laughs> have a reference for that in their minds most right. people don't know and that's on the news right like, really interesting right what people turn to and yeah just bizarre it's like it's it's always there it's always been there but it takes situations like this that stirs them up for it to to waken up like right. mm. uh what is it it's it's like pine cones is it that when when they land on the ground they don't grow until there's like a wildfire and like the burning of uh or the fire actually does something to the seeds in the pine cone causing it to actually grow and it won't grow until there's that fire. Right. So it's like, it's the same thing in us. It's, it's always there, but it's not until we get that external pressures that it starts to come out. And it's, it's interesting that like there's that uh, whole eight, 10, 80, 10 theory where it's like in, in when there's a chaos or there's like a house fire or an earthquake, you've got 10% of people that, that step up to the roles of leading and uh, helping others to get out of the burning building. And you've got 80% that are just kind of like the general people who don't really do anything. They, they, they're helpful, but they're not. They're not leaders. They just kind of look for others for direction. And then you've got the other 10% that are completely um, uh, counterproductive. They actually get in the way of things. They run back into the building or uh, yeah. Yeah, you hide in a closet and you can't find them. So, but it's almost like now in this world, because we're all going through it, there's, it's more than 10 80 10 it's almost like the people that are stepping up it's it's that number has has um 
there's an influx of that number of that original 10 and a lot less of the other 10 on the other side not doing things that are helpful wow. out there going out and doing social gatherings having their parties playing beer pong in the park <laughs> um, <laughs> things, but, uh, it's just interesting how those numbers have been skewed a bit um, yeah all in the same boat mm-hmm. yeah that's really good yeah that's fascinating emerson um you know, and, and when I think about about when we're talking about abortion, euthanasia, pro pro choice, pro life, I I'm I'm really curious to see if I think so. There's about two hundred thousand abortions in the UK. I think just a couple of years ago, in in one year, and that's obviously just tragic. And I just I wonder what the numbers will look like on the other side of this? Like, will there be an influx? Um, or will there actually be a greater appreciation for life overall? Like, are people going to be coming out the other side of this actually cherishing, loving, and being thankful for the people around them? Uh, the babies that are yet to come, as well as the elderly that might not be the most in it. Like right now, my, um, my grandma is kind of suffering with dementia. And so we're actually going to be taking her in for a couple of weeks. And, you know, that's, I'll, I'll be honest, like that's going to be a bit of a, a, a struggle. Um, but at the same time, like that is the call that we have right now. And I think a ton of people are, are reaching out to the elderly and people that they wouldn't um, normally be taking in for a long amount of time or actually talking to. And they're actually reaching out to them and caring for them. And it is like that 10, that 10%. It, it, I would almost say it's more of like a 60% now. Um, like it is a, definitely a higher number, but what do you get? Like, do you guys think that there is a, a love that is growing within people or do you think the love has always been there, but it took like just the severing of idols and the actual, um, the forcing of being alone and isolated and thinking and reflecting upon life overall? Like what, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I, I I think it was at the uh, global leaderships leadership summit where one of the speakers I can't remember who it was said something like, um, "When you're cast away at sea, there's no such thing as an atheist because you're you're faced with with these heavy mm-hmm. thoughts, of death, and like that's when you start to believe in in something else, or you start to ex- at least um, explore the possibility of of something else, right?" So I think that's that's playing a part. Great quote. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. So you think in general, then to to um, blow that up, like humanity as a whole, in the face of this pandemic, is just reassessing life. Yeah, that's like, a great way. Of putting you would it. all agree we're feeling that. Everyone's experiencing yeah. that. You're boiling down to what matters in your day, what you have to hold on to, what you love, cherish, what is mm-hmm. true i guess what is ac- absolutely true mm-hmm. um and everyone's doing that it's mm-hmm. pretty crazy mm-hmm. so so when we talk about like abortion and euthanasia um it would there would have to be some sort of a shift after or during or you know uh, people just yeah. Re- rethinking yeah and i think that's that's the great question is um will there be like i 
and that could absolutely be one of the things that God's doing through this is changing people's heart postures. So what, what do you think we're learning then? Like as, as a people, um, like what's the big, what are we learning that we like, I see in our notes, it's kind of like that, you know, a thing of control might be, might be part of it. Just like lack of control mm-hmm. over even the small things, like over health, over like, right big things, small things, just everything. Right. Right. So how does that apply? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, when, when we go back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, they obviously wanted to be like God. They wanted to be God. They wanted, um, they wanted control and they ultimately completely lost it. And I think ever since humanity has just always wanted to control. I mean, that's always been my tendency. Like I'm, I'm just like, Oh, I want to be able to control my future and, and faith and trust. It's hard. Um, especially when you're going through challenging circumstances, it's like, you want to just be able to like do these things and be like, yeah, I want, I want this piece to work out here and work in that puzzle. But the reality is like, we are not the designer. We are not the planner. We're not the one who, created the heavens and the earth and sees the beginning and the end and we're just humans and i think however the human race we've always been wanting that control and so when we look at at the the issue of of pro-choice like it's basically pro-control like a a false control like it's i i want to control the outcome of this life of a person and often i uh, there are the circumstances where let's say abortion there there's the chance that the the woman's going to actually die from the pregnancy those are really slim chance those are really slim um the amount of cases that that happens is really slim but most often than not i would say it's kind of a uh, a comfort thing like the fact of having a baby in this time of life like i don't want that and it's uncomfortable and it's a stress and so then they actually um they pull the trigger and in a sense, they're controlling their life and we don't like surrender. And so control, I think, is really at the core of what's going on right now. And I would kind of like to say, and just go on record, I feel like God is actually trying to kill this idol of control in the hearts of many people during these times because this is so out of our hands. Well. Wow. Yeah. And I think, I think also control comes from having an abundance of options. And mm. right now we don't have those options. Those options right. are from us and we don't have those, uh, those opportunities. So it ultimately removes that control. So now we're almost inverting our, our thought process. And it's mm. like, we're trying to regain some control by controlling the things that ultimately like before we were controlling abortions and we had the right or, or we had the choice to, to abort. And now that that's been taken away from us, it's almost like um, that option is taken away from us. It's like, now we we're finding control in, in running with this new movement of, yeah, let's, let's save lives. That's what didn't matter before matters now, because that's, that's the options we have now. Right. Do you think also like, I mean, I'm just thinking about, um, abortion specifically, but the fact that I, I don't know, I just think, I, or I, I'm curious if numbers would drop in desire to get abortions because, yeah. because there is an uncontrollable force that is, um, you know, against the health of the mother even. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, 
now these these possible mothers are carrying a child and because they're faced with danger uncertainty maybe they will care for the baby differently or you know what i mean than it than they would mm-hmm. if there was no pandemic yeah, was because no they can actually focus on it like there's there's that time there's that well, it's just even valuing like human life differently because sure. there is danger. Sure. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. interesting to think about how yeah, like, the situation, situation could change that so drastically mm-hmm. or, or not. I'm not exactly sure, obviously, but. Right. That's really interesting because overall it feels like that's what's happening right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like government is looking after those that they look after differently in the midst of COVID. So to switch right. to a parent and the way right. that for their person that they're responsible for you would think that something like that would change as well right Mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah and it's interesting too how when we are put in places of danger we see things in ourselves that we didn't see before and like let's say uh it was the it was the 19 it was 1940 you know we're entering a world war and we were enlisted like we would be going off to war at, at our age for sure and we might not consider ourselves soldiers, but in that, in that time of danger, we would be forced into it and realize, I mean, hopefully realize like, wow, I can be a soldier. Like I actually, like this is actually in me. Mm-hmm. And so even for the, for the mother, it's, it's like in this time of danger, she can step up to her kind of God given role as a, as a female, which is to kind of to nourish and to protect and to, and to support and, and give life. And she can be like, wow, I actually have this in me to be a mother. And I, it, in a sense, it's an opportunity for people to rediscover themselves and rediscover how well, God wired them at a heart level. Right. Yeah. And then that, so then that makes me think about what, what, what does the Bible say in regards to to death and control Mm -hmm. and and even just like a time like this what what is what do we think that christ is actually saying to the world yeah well i mean first thing that comes to my mind is you know value of life right genesis 1 from the beginning made in the image of god you know like Mm -hmm. psalm 139 we're knit in our mother's womb right that's a biblical ethic and like all the way till death it's job job says a person's days are determined um god decrees the number of his months and has set those limits and they can't be exceeded Mm -hmm. we all of those truths we just fight yeah constantly Mm -hmm. you know because of our humanity our (laughs) our sinfulness You know, and then it's also about like yeah. as simple as Exodus too. It's do not murder. Right. So what does that mean? And I, yeah. know, I know these are extremely complicated topics. I know that and I recognize that. But but um, how we approach God in the midst of them is probably mm-hmm. the most important. Yeah. And just the fact that uh, it says God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And... Jesus died for all of humanity. Um, those that actually place their faith in Christ receive salvation and can go to the Father. But mm-hmm. 
he died for the babies that he died for for babies that are still in the womb he died for the elderly that can't speak for themselves anymore mm-hmm. um those are people that he died for and gives you opportunity for salvation and yeah i just think that the bible kind of comes along with at all this and obviously it's more of like the pro-life argument but every life matters every every single human is a person has a soul and so while doctors and stuff might argue they'll all say yeah um there's no doubt that this this embryo here like there's life but it doesn't mean that they are a person you know and then the bible says no they they are a person of course they have a soul they've been created in the image of god and mm-hmm. so that really matters and it could in in everything that's going on kind of spark people's awareness of that too mm-hmm. so then there needs to be there needs to be like an application for christians right like so you you can recognize what's going on you know we get some insight into well we know truth so we we um look at the world through our lens of truth and goodness, but then what do we do? You know, what does a church do regarding the stuff that's happening or, you know, topics like this? Uh, It's going to be more than just thinking about talking about what, what has to happen, you know, how can the church stop or I don't know. That's a great question. And that's, what's so unique about this time too, is like churches are, scrambling right now to try to figure out what on earth to do like during these days you know like and everything's flipped upside down like everybody's meeting virtually but how can we actually have impact um in our cities and communities physically and and we've been doing some stuff at village which i think is really cool but it, it is a great point luke like how do we actually help out especially in an in in an area like this when we're talking about um, human lives and, and, and supporting people that are maybe going through difficult times. Like there's obviously thousands and thousands of people right now that are just considering abortion or mm-hmm. euthanasia, you know, like those that's happening right now. And so I just wonder, as you said, like, is there a way that as a church, we could help out in this, in this area or shed truth and light, um, on it? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I, I think the church falls into that, uh, going back to that 10, 80, 10, verse 10, right? Um, because the other 80 are really looking to, to a leader, to a leader that knows what's going on, right? So again, back to the burning building, uh, that 80% is looking for that person who's like, okay, you come with me, here's the exits, and then they follow, right? And that's mm-hmm. us as Christians, we're the people who are leading them to uh, where safety is. And so we really need to just amplify our posture and, uh, and walk in, in, in the way that Christ told us to walk in so that we could be the salt, so that we can be the light to the earth and people will follow us to safety. Right. And so, uh, the whole world is looking at us as Christians for answers because we are walking differently. We're walking with this confidence and it's going to ask, um, the, the, the other 80% is going to ask, Hey, what is it that they know? They know where, where the muster station is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's follow them, right? So that yeah, as a church, we really need to uh, amplify that. Whether it's like with the with the options that we have, with the online stuff, just like villages doing, where it's like 
right now we have an opportunity Monday to Sunday to do something online, whether it's a class or a prayer or a community group or a sermon, um, having those, those, um, those, uh, those things in place so that they have the option to do, do those things. And then us mm-hmm. as Christians invite those who aren't Christians um, to these forums and to these. Yeah. Uh, forums. yeah, that's great. Right. That's so, it's so cool. Cause the gospel does like follow it. it you know, um, there's, there's things called like the 3d gospel and how you approach different people in different contexts with the gospel. Like one, one example would be in Asia, you, you bring the gospel to talk about the shame that they feel and how Christ, you know, takes that because there's such an honor and shame culture. And, and it's like the same, the same application to now with the pandemic it's worldwide. How do we, how do we offer this this assurance in yeah. you know in life and in truth and this right. it, it's like the perfect chance to give people mm-hmm. the gospel because mm-hmm. they need yeah, it, it really is. we all desperately need it um mm-hmm. i just love that i love that mm-hmm. it can be brought into this moment and like mm-hmm. it really matters you know and people people are just looking for something to give mm-hmm. them that so yeah yeah, it is interesting too how everybody's forced to go online and like churches are forced to get their services online and have more of an online presence. And that that really is the communication tool of the day. And many churches weren't effectively using it and now they're kind of forced to. So if anything, there should be a massive influx in right. content, church content just overall like online and and in people's social media streams because all these churches are having to ramp up and get the message out there right and so ultimately just kind of tying it back in here um there just seems to be this massive disconnect amidst COVID-19 when we just kind of look at I would say the overall kind of heart posture of humanity overall before this and during this and are we saving lives to control the pandemic or are we saving lives because lives actually matter? And I think that was the question we kind of hinged this whole podcast upon. Like, why is it that we are social distancing? Is it because we're trying to stop this pandemic and that is the main point that is the main heart behind it all. Or is it because lives actually matter and that is the great kind of tension. So I'd love to hear, hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I would say intrinsically mankind is made in God's image and, and in different moments in history, we, we just fall back to that. Um, Mm. Obviously we're, we're in attention and there's sin and there's, you know, all this stuff but beyond that simplified i think we i think we long we long for the garden we long for god um whether we know it or not mm-hmm. and and i i do believe that in trying times you search for you know that that link between everything yeah right and that's what yeah. we're seeing i would say in a lot of people are just loving 
differently because they need to, or be, I, you know, because they're just brought to that posture, right. whether they recognize it or not. That's beautiful. I love, I love the way that you just look at the way God's wired all of us. And in times that are trying such as this, we go back to that default of, yeah, lives do matter. You know, we, we want to be in the garden. We actually do care for and love other people. We do love our neighbors. And when we have all the comforts in the world, when we have everything going on for ourselves and our pursuits and ambitions and everything's going good for us, it's like we can easily just throw all that out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting how every life matters now. And I've seen an influx on, uh, on social media and on the news of how uh, those that we weren't always celebrating, uh, like the elderly, are now being celebrated all over the place. I saw um, this post of the oldest person to survive uh, COVID-19 was 104 years old. That's crazy. Huge, like it was, it was very celebratory. Like, yeah, all right. That's awesome. Right. Uh, There was a hope in that, in that message. There was another, uh, another guy, um, older gentleman, 101 years old. He survived the Spanish flu pandemic in uh, 1918. Mm. Uh, he survived World War uh, Two, and uh, now he survived COVID. He was COVID positive, 101 years old, and he survived that, and that was celebrated. And so it's gone from, you know what, they've lived the good life, it's okay, euthanasia is all right, to now it's like this message of hope, like, yeah, they survived that we can survive this thing. So there's been a shift there, which has been really cool to see. That is so cool. Yeah, that is. It's encouraging. So overall here, I think we're, we're not left with any solid answers, but certainly there's a, there's a hope. There's a hope in the gospel. There's a hope in Jesus. And even on Easter weekend, we're reminded of that. And just the way I love the emphasis on how, how God has created us. Like we, when we're actually left in a time like this of danger and uncertainty, while some and, and many might actually be trying to get control i think overall we just realize you know what we can't control it and we need to we need to look to god we need to look upwards we need to look outside ourselves mm-hmm. and so i think the we don't have a maybe a, a answer per se to our question which is you know with this double is there a double standard right now in terms of pro choice beforehand and are we pro life now in a sense, it really does seem like we're pro-life because we're caring so much about all people. And that is a beautiful thing. And whether that continues and persists after this pandemic, we simply don't know. And I think even just, just one last point here is the idea that let's say this lasts for another three months, six, 12 months, social distancing, um, even physical touch is going to be so greatly influenced by this. We're not going to be going up and hugging people or giving handshakes. And I guess my, my hope and concern is, and concern at the same time is just that we would come out the other side, not so concerned though about our own safety that we can't actually communicate or like spend time with other people. You know what I mean? Like we can't actually express a love towards other people because we're so scared about and just been ingrained over the past year of our lives that we can't contract this virus from somebody else, or we don't want to transmit it to another person. And so that kind of an impact, I think on society will be present, but 
as to how great of an extent it actually is, I don't know. And if it affects the whole um, uh, argument over pro-life, pro-choice, like I would say it almost leans a bit more back to the whole pro-choice thing. But I, my prayer and, and desire is that we would come out the other side as a whole society being pro-life at a heart level, having deeper revelations of, of that, that all lives truly do matter. Hmm. Um, so that would be, that would be kind of my takeaway, my projection into the future. If I were to, to think of anything, um, do, do either of you have any concluding statements? Yeah, I guess just, just as we shared this whole topic of life and death, um moments like these are a nightmare for so many people it's just an absolute nightmare but when that passes and when you wake up for a nightmare hopefully you recognize what you love the most right mm. and i guess that's just the hope i have um especially considering euthanasia and uh abortion and just life just the value of life what we've got here how good how beautiful what is good, what is beautiful, um, wake up from the nightmare and, and be thrilled for truth and reality. Yeah, that's good, Luke. Emerson? Yeah, I'm just, I'm finding a lot of peace in, uh, in knowing that this is a very godsend situation. His hand is definitely on this. Like, even if you look at history, the last time we were, this united globally it would have been during one of the world wars and even then we weren't 100 united because we were still fighting against each other mm -hmm. here we're fighting against a common enemy so we're unified and so this is so godsend and it's it's just a matter of like what are we going to do with this time let's not let it go to waste let's not you know just finish the internet during this time this is about what is god telling us to do let's be the best 10 percent that we can possibly yeah. be and uh and see what we can do with the other 80 percent right yeah. that's a great way of putting it there's a huge responsibility for us as the church to step up and be light in this time so i want to thank everyone that tuned into this um i know we have a probably a massive audience on this one it's gonna go viral on the social media i'm sure uh but yeah thank you luke thank you emerson and mm -hmm. to everybody listening thanks for listening we hope that you're staying safe in this time and that you found some uh nuggets of truth in here and thought-provoking comments and statements so god bless and have a great rest of your day